So on behalf of the GBC uh, family, I would like to thank all of you for coming uh, and joining us in celebration of the goodness and faithfulness of God to this congregation. Uh, I know it's been said, and you, you see it on the signs everywhere, that we're celebrating our 40 years, 40-year uh, anniversary. Um, well, the 40-year anniversary, just to give you a quick background, the 40-year anniversary is just for the current congregation. It's not for the actual church. The actual church has been here for 80 years. Um, so if you don't know that, now you know. Uh, <laughs> we've been here, well, not we, but this church, Glen Cairn Baptist Church, has been here for 80 years. It was established back in 1943 after World War II. Um, and so during the 90s, uh, I was still in my, I guess, teens, uh, you know, we were looking around the basement of the old church, and we found some slides that showed us the old church. I'm going to show you one of them right now. This is what the old church looked like back in the 40s. And if you see the sign, it says Glen Cairn Baptist Church. Now, that's not photoshopped or anything like that. We got that from, the, we got that from that, those old little, uh, you know, glass slides. And so it's been here. Glencairn Baptist Church, not necessarily the congregation, has been here since the 40s. Um, so I'm going to fast forward to the late 70s and early 80s. A uh, congregation which consisted now of mostly Filipino immigrants. Uh, the, the, the purpose for the, the change is because uh, the old congregation obviously um, has passed away, gone away. The new congregations took over. And it was a Filipino congregation that took over. Uh, and their purpose was to minister to the OFWs that was coming into Canada back in those days. Um, and so what happened is they, the first congregation, the first Filipino congregation, changed the name of the church uh, back in the late 70s, early 80s, from Glencairn Baptist Church to Community Christian Mission. Uh, who, who knew that? Ah, not even the people who are attending here knew that. Community Christian mission. One of the pastors that was leading that uh, congregation was Pai, Pastor Pai, Cristanto Aguilera. That's Pastor Pai right there. Can you go back to that, please? Not yet, not yet. We're not there yet. We're still in the 70s. Okay. So if you look at the sign, that's the same sign that's out there. We just, obviously, we just changed it. But that's the, the same sign. Where that sign is, that's where the sign is right now. But it says right there, Community Christian Mission, the Filipino Ministry of the BCOQ, uh, Baptist Convention of Ontario Quebec. So we've been here, <laughs> 40s, 70s, 80s. Now in the mid-80s, the church's name was changed back to Glen Cairn Baptist Church. This time under the leadership of uh, interim pastor then, Pastor Andy Cups. Uh, anybody? Back then, oh yeah, two people. That's good. Andy Cups. He even wrote uh, oh, three people right there. Why are you sitting back there? You should be up here. <laughs> so, um, so that was in the 80s, uh, almost late 80s, mid, mid to late 80s. Now, in the late 80s, the congregation of GBC decided to call a permanent pastor uh, to lead the church. Uh, he came all the way from the Philippines. Uh, celebrity pastor. Pastor... Pastor of the celebrities, <laughs> right? He used to have, uh, who was it? 
Max Alvarado and those guys as you remember. No, Tirso, Tirso Cruz and those, I don't know who those people are, but you know who those people are. They used to be his members, Pastor Luis Notar. He's actually here. So, so Pastor Luis is the one on the left. So, the one on the left, that's Pastor Luis. <laughs> No, 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 that's Pastor Luis right there. You all know Pastor Luis. He came in on the August 1989, I think. Uh, Pastor Luis came to, to this church and he ministered to this congregation all the way through his retirement uh, back in March 2015. Is that right, Pastor Luis? You're still retired? You should be the one up here right now. Uh, so Pastor Luis retired in March 2015. And then I was installed as his successor in the same year, uh, back in November uh, 2015. Um, I've been coming to this church since 1988. So about 30, I don't know, not good at math. 35 years, 35 years I've been coming to this church. So uh, before I start the message, let's do a quick uh, activity. Let's, just, let's have some, you know, to wake people up. Some people are already, you know. So... <laughs> First of all, I'm going to ask everybody to just stand up. Everybody, stand up. We're going to see who has been attending this church the longest. Okay? So if you're a first-timer, okay, if, you're, if this is your first time in this church, first of all, we'd like to welcome you. Thank you for joining us. Okay? I'm going to, I'm going to try and get to know each and every one of you later on. But obviously, you know, we're going to try and mingle later on. But... Um, those of you who are first-timers, it's your first time in this church, you can have a seat. Okay? Thank you for coming. Okay? If you have attended, okay, if you have attended or are attending this church for the past year, you can have a seat. It's okay, no, clapping later, clapping later. If you have been attending or have attended this church for the past five years, or if you attended this church for five years but no longer attending, <laughs> should I have said that? Maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> five years or less, you can have a seat. Oh. Tagalog, this is called Matira Matibay. Hey. If you have been attending or have attended this church, uh, or currently or used to attend this church, uh, for 10 years or less, you can have a seat. 10 years or less, you can have a seat. no? 15 years or less, you can have a seat. Ah, you know, 20 years or less, you can have a seat. Ah, everybody. People are waving and so Twenty-five years or less, you can have a seat. Twenty-five years or less, you can have a seat. Twenty-five. You. Pastor. You're not that old yet. You forgot how you 
long you've been here? <laughs> 25 years or less, have a seat. 30 years or less, have a seat. Pastor. Maybe, maybe this will give you some, uh, maybe this will give you incentive, okay? <laughs> Nobody's going to sit down now. Oh, I don't want to sit. I've been here since the 1940s. <laughs> Where am I? 25? 30? 35 years or less. Oh, now you can sit. Pastor, Pastor. Now you can sit, Pastor. <laughs> 34. <laughs> okay. Ilan na lang? 1, 2, 3, 4, 6 people. Where are we? 35? 36? 37? 38? Oh, that's it? 1, <laughs> Is, is, is it? Is that, is that it? Ate Sheila is the... the... Who else? Where is us? I was hoping Sister Bessie would be here. Oh. No, you know what? Kuya Alex was going to pick her up, but he wants to win. So he didn't pick her up. Who? Anyway, Ate Sheila, congratulations. You're the longest attending. <laughs> By the way, they're the ones who bought the prize as well. So, <laughs> Anyway, thank you to everybody again. Thank you for joining us. Those of you who are visitors, those of you who have been here 30-something years, 20-something years, thank you. Uh, for joining us this morning. You have all been instrumental uh, to the growth of this church and have been used by God to bring this church to what we see and know today. So thank you so much on behalf of the GBC family. Now, as I was contemplating what to uh, share with you this morning, the topic that came to my mind was church growth. Uh, you saw the video. It's about church growth. And I got the title of this uh, sermon uh, from a blog post by one of the pastors in the video, Kevin Dion. Okay, uh, If you don't know who Kevin DeYoung is, he's a theologian and pastor of Christ Covenant Church in North Carolina. He's the author of the blog, uh, Young, Restless, and Reformed. Uh, those of you who are Reformed? Well, nobody wants to uh, reform. Uh, I know we're Baptists, but we're really Reformed. No. <laughs> anyway, Pastor Kevin DeYoung... Um, wrote this blog post entitled, Numbers in the Church is Bigger, Badder, or Better? Numbers in the Church is Bigger, Badder, or Better? Uh, so the article suggests that there are two extreme positions in the evangelical community when it comes to the size of the congregation. Um, one position says this, how many people now go to that church? 
it is huge. It must be the music. Or maybe they have lasers and a smoke machine. I hope we never sell out like that. So in other words, there's a perception in the evangelical community that big megachurches are bad. And smaller megachurches, smaller megachurches, and smaller churches are good. Because, you know, this perception says that, you know, if you're a big megachurch, you must have gotten all those people by uh, using gimmicks. Right? You're probably handing out, if you're a new member, we'll give you an iPad. Sign up for membership. Right? Uh, there. That's the perception. I'm not saying that that's how I think of these churches, but that's the perception out there in the evangelical community. Um, meanwhile, there's another extreme position. And that position says this. How many people even go to that church? It's so small. They haven't, been, they haven't baptized a believer in years. Their influence and importance is basically nil, zero. I hope we are never irrelevant so there is a perception out there that when you're a small church, you're not relevant because you're not growing. And that these churches are badder. Smaller churches are badder. Now, the reason why I lean towards this topic is because I was contemplating the growth of this church or this congregation throughout the years that I've been a member here. Um, I think that as our peak as a church, or I can say our golden years as a church, uh, the years where we experienced the biggest numerical growth, our membership grew to about 350 members at one point during the 90s. 350. We even had multiple services. You guys remember that? Uh, multiple, and I, when I say multiple, I mean two. <laughs> Not like 12. But <laughs> okay? We even had multiple services uh, because we couldn't accommodate this many people in this space that we have. So suffice it to say that our church was never a mega church and we were never really a, considered a small church either. Uh, if you look at the CBOQ's uh, listings of churches statistically, two uh, churches with 100 to I think three or 400 members are large churches. So right now we're at, what's our membership right now? 220, something like that, 200, 220. So we're, a, we're considered a large church, but we're not a mega church either, right? So I believe that um, the leadership back then, and I would say even today, still has this strong desire to grow the church numerically. After all, as the blog states, that these numbers, okay, membership numbers, represent people, people who are hearing the gospel and bearing fruit. So now, when it comes to church growth, the easiest metric to use would be to count the number of people who attend or the members of the church. That's the easiest metric to use. How do you determine, how else do you determine church growth? A big, the bigger building, right? You can't because I, I don't care how big your building is. If there's two people in here, right, and the pastor says, whether two or three are gathered, he's still in our midst. That's just an excuse, Right? So you can't use that. So the easiest uh, metric to use is to count the people that are coming in. Uh, if you make numbers the end goal of the church's ministry, uh, then are we really being faithful to God's revealed purpose for the church that is found in the scriptures? 
if we make numbers, the main goal or the end goal of our ministry, are we really being faithful? So this morning, I'd like to uh, answer this question. What is God's purpose for the church? Why are we here? Um, and I hope that by knowing God's purpose for the church, uh, it will help us grow the church God's way, not our way. Amen? Uh, raise of hands. Who are, who are here joining us from different congregations? If you're, if you're joining us from a different church, raise your hand. Yeah, keep your hand up. Okay, so there's a lot of representatives of different churches, okay? So this is for you too, right? Are we growing the church God's so let's go to our text, Acts 2.42. So the question that we're answering is, what is God's purpose for the church? And therefore, once we understand that, we know how to grow church, the, the church God's way. Acts 2.42 has our answer. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. According to our text, God's purpose for the church is fourfold. What is it? Teaching, teaching the Bible, okay, providing a place of fellowship, observing the Lord's Supper, and a place of prayer. Right? Pretty accurate, I think. Well, it's in the Bible. <laughs> it has to be accurate. But it doesn't give us enough detail. No, it's correct, but it doesn't give us enough detail. So let's, let's look at other resources. Uh, Greg Allison, a professor of Christian theology at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, gave a bit more detail as far as the nature and purpose of the church is concerned. So he has this book entitled Sojourners and Strangers, The Doctrine of the Church. In the book, Allison defined the church, or sorry, defined the nature and purpose of the church in seven identity markers. So these seven markers identify the nature of the church and I think it also tells us what the purpose of the church is. So let's go through these one by one quickly. First, the church must be or is doxological. The church should be or must be doxological. What that means is that God's first purpose for the church is to display His glory. So that means the church focus is to give glory to God in order for, for us to display it. Right? Let's read John 17, 22. You guys read that. Okay. Jesus is praying for the first apostles. Right? Gave them the glory. They're the ones who started the church. Church displays God's glory as well. Or it should display God's glory as well. There's an article in Ligonier.org that states this. The church then can be called the glory of God in the sense that God is renewing our image by sharing with us the glory that he has given to Christ. As the church fulfills its mission, unbelievers can look at the church and say, God is at work here. Now, the church reflects the divine glory, and as we grow in Christ's likeness, we point others to God, source of the glory. That's our first purpose as the church. Uh, second, uh, the church should be logocentric. It doesn't mean that you have a lot of logos everywhere, that your logo should be in the bus stops or in the. Okay, what does logocentric mean? It means that the church should be centered, focused on Jesus as the Word became flesh. And also, the church should be focused on God's Word, revealed through the Scriptures. If 
the church that you're going to, or the, if you see a church that's not preaching, it's not centered in God's word, get out. Okay? We've been preaching that here. Okay? Learn God's word. Don't just accept what's being said here and then take it home with you. Learn it for yourself. Right? So nobody can fool you, so to speak. Right? A lot of false teachers out there. So that's the second thing. Uh, church should be logocentric. Acts 2.42, the first part. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Right? That's what the early church did. Third, uh, the church is also spirit-empowered. Spirit-empowered. It is through the work of the Holy Spirit that the church is formed and called, gathered, gifted, and continuously empowered. This means that any gift from the Holy Spirit has to be used as a pointer to the glory of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why is that? Because the first two marks of a church <laughs> says that the church's purpose is for the glory of God and the study and center or focus on God's word. Right? So when the Spirit empowers us, it has to be focused on that. We can't just speak in tongues, right? and nobody understands just you. We can't. How is that pointing to the power of God, to the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel. It's not. It has to point. I'm not saying that nobody can, you know, I'm not a cessationist. I still believe that people, God allows, can speak in a different tongue. If I start speaking Korean right now, <laughs> that's a gift. But if nobody understands it, then what is it for? God's gift through the Holy Spirit is always for the glory of God, Focus on the power of God through the Lord Jesus Christ in the gospel. Amen? That's third. Fourth, the church is covenantal. Not talking about theology. Okay. Okay. Covenantal. What does covenantal mean? Uh, it means that those who are members of the church must be in a new covenant relationship with God through Christ. You can't be a member of an evangelical church if you don't profess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and be baptized. That's, a, that's, that's covenantal, right? Uh, and secondly, covenantal means that the members of the church must also be in covenant relationship with each other. That's why it's so important to have church membership. How are you going to be in a covenant if you don't submit to the authority of the church as a member? That's why we focus on that. That's why we teach that in this church because that is a mark of the church. Church is covenantal. Um, Members of the church has to be fully submitted to one another, fully submitted to the leadership and to one another in love. Amen? Let's read Ephesians 4, 1 to 3. Verses 12 to 15.
but this way. Maybe there's another way. I want to know. <laughs> okay. So what does that say? It means that you have to, as a church, our job is to, because there are more mature believers in the church. There are less mature believers in the church. Our job is to pull each other up until we reach the same maturity in Christ. How are you going to do that if you're church hopping? You can't. How are you going to help somebody that when you see something wrong with the church, I'd say, I'm gone. The washrooms here stink. I'm out. I don't like the color of the carpet. Or the preacher talks too much. No, you have to be in a covenant relationship. Speaking or talking to each other, submitted to one another in love. Fifth, the church is a place of confession. Not confession in the Roman Catholic sense. We have a little room here at the back. If you want to do that, we can do it. But not in that sense. Okay, Not in the Roman Catholic sense, but confession as in an acknowledgement and profession of faith in Christ, both individually and corporately. To confess is to agree. Right? That's what to confess means. To agree with the Lord Jesus Christ, to agree with God. That's why we confess our sins. Right? We agree with God that we did something wrong and you ask for forgiveness. So to confess, or a place of confession means that you're always confessing faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, both individually and corporately. Uh, read Romans 10, 8 to 13. You guys read that. <laughs> church is a place of confession. Sixth, God's purpose for the church is missional. It's missional. The church is not, it's not to be exclusive as far as its ministries go. Okay? Acts 2, 47b. Let me read it for you. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So God added to the number of the church, the early church daily after the first few were saved. He kept adding to that Church, that means that as a church, we ought to be welcoming and open to anyone and everyone. Say that again. We ought to be welcoming anyone and everyone. We don't just cater to the mature believers only, but we patiently walk with unbelievers and new believers in love. Amen? Because a new person comes in, nobody sits with them. New person comes in, nobody says hi. Welcome everyone. That's what we're here for. You know, those small churches that don't welcome anybody, you know what they're called? Cults. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> right? If, there's, if there's a church that you're not allowed in, 
there must be they must be doing something bad in there. Don't think about it, right? So that's not what the church is for. It's supposed to be for everybody. Last, the church is marked with a here but not here, already but not yet focus. Say that again. The church should be marked or is marked with a here but not here, already but not yet focus. This means that the focus of the church is on continuous spiritual growth here on earth through sanctification, but with an eternal outlook. Okay? Uh, the author of the book said this, The church has this rather unique and strange identity of being part of this world and yet not being part of this world. So we've experienced the intervention of God in part salvation, in part power of the Holy Spirit, in part conviction of sin and release uh, and the release from sin in part. We look forward to a day when we'll know salvation in full and we'll have a face-to-face -face relationship with God and we'll have the power of the Holy Spirit in full and be released from the presence of sin completely. So we're on a journey. We're, we're pilgrims. We're sojourners. So that means that the church, as a church, we can't just preach and teach the importance of here and now growth without the fuel of having something to look forward to in eternity, right? You can't just keep preaching, grow, grow, grow. It's hard. What? How am I going to do this? What do I need to, uh, to motivate me? Eternity, <laughs> right? We're being prepped for that. That's what the growth is for, right? We're being prepped for eternity. At the same time, we can't just preach and teach eternal life and neglect the importance of living out the future now. You can't just say, uh, do you accept Christ? Great, you're going to heaven. Doesn't matter what you do, you're going to go to heaven. No. <laughs> Incomplete, right? Look at what Jesus said, John 17, 3. John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life. Where is it? Did you see that? I don't know. Well, we, okay, there it is. And this is eternal life. What is eternal life? That they know you, the only true God and Jesus. Whom we what is eternal life? When we die and then raise back again, is that eternal life? No. It says here eternal life is to know God through Jesus Christ. The reason why those of us who believe when we die, we rise again, is to continue to get to know God. You realize that? It will take eternity to know God. That's why God gave us eternal life. But that doesn't just start when you die. <laughs> Knowing God starts right now. Otherwise, you won't get to that place, <laughs> to eternal life, where you can get to know God more. But actually, yeah, you will get to know God more. The wrath of God. It's true. We're both, we both have eternal life. Those of us believers and non-believers, right? It's just that the believers have an eternal life with God. Non-believers have an eternal life without God. So that's what eternal life for believers, that's what it means. To know God even more. So we can't just preach here and now without looking forward to eternity because there's no fuel for us when times get hard. But we can't just keep preaching eternity and just... 
not preach now. <laughs> We're here right now. All right? Um, now, those seven identities, those seven markers, there's nothing in those seven markers or in the account of the birth of the church in Acts 2 about how numbers played a part in the growth of the church. The early church grew, not because she grew in numbers, but because she lived out God's purpose for her. Amen? She didn't grow just because, you know, she can say that we, uh, the church grew because of the numbers. No. The church grew because the church lived out God's purpose for her. And because she did, numerical growth followed. But only as an outcome of spiritual internal growth. Only as an outcome. Let's not shortcut it. It has to be that way. God designed the church to be that way. Now there's nothing wrong or sinful about having this desire to grow the church numerically. As long as we, as the church, stay true to our God-given purpose and identity. Ultimately, God placed us here this church specifically, at this specific corner in the city of Toronto to gather the children of promise. How? By faithfully preaching the gospel to all within our reach. That's what the congregation did back in 1943. That's what the congregation did back in the late 70s and mid 80s. And that's what this current congregation is doing today. Right? Growing the church organically, God's way, is when true growth happens. Let's not, or sorry, let us continue to trust in God and God's plan and God's strategy to grow the church and let's not resort to any kind of gimmicks, people-pleasing tactics, any shortcuts because we're really not growing at that point. We may be growing in numbers, but we're not really growing. Understand? Let's not be Abraham. Let's learn from Abraham. Anybody know Abraham? Abraham. Nobody knows who Abraham is? should attend Sunday school. Abraham was promised by God, I will give you children as many as the stars. I will give you children as many as the, the sand. Right? But Lord, Abraham said, I don't even have one. When is this promise going to come? I will give it to you, just trust me. But Abraham, after a hundred years, or, that didn't happen. But during that time, he just couldn't wait. So, and his wife couldn't wait. Again, it's the fault of the wife. Uh, <laughs> it's, always, it's always the fault of the women. <laughs> I'm kidding, women. You know I'm kidding. What did his wife say? Just, just, just get with Hagar. <laughs> right? So we can have our kids. So we can help God, uh, you know, fulfill his promise to us. Did that happen? Was that the fulfillment of the promise? A lot of churches are doing it that way. God's taking so long. We've been here, what, 80 years. And our membership is only 220. It takes too long. Let's distribute iPads outside. Let's distribute. Let's go through all these gimmicks. Maybe we should put uh, smoke machines and lasers up here. Or maybe we should tell more jokes. Maybe. Let's get more people in. And that means we're growing. We have multiple services. We're growing. No, we're not. We just made an Ishmael. We're here to call the Isaacs. We're here to minister to the Isaacs. 
and we do it God's way, not our way. So let's continue to preach fullness of God in scriptures with a focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's continue to be cut to the heart with the sword of God's word. Let's continue to devote ourselves to the treasure of the teachings found in God's word. And by the grace of God, may every soul that sets foot in this building continue to be in awe as they see the wonders and signs that God is going to do through the ministries and the lives of the people in this congregation. May we continue to grow in our love for one another and continue to support and help each other as any who are in need, just like the early church. And day by day, may our congregation continue to praise and give glory to God and have favor with all peoples. Be missional. And as we grow into the Acts 2 church, may the Lord, what? Add to our number day by day those who are being Trust God in the process. Don't shortcut it. Okay? That's what we're doing. That, that's why Sunday school is so important. Because who's going to be the next? It's going to be these kids. Youth, very important. Who's going to be the next? These kids. I won't be able to finish this. I could die tomorrow. Okay? I could be Moses. And just lead you by the edge of the promised land and not get in. <laughs> okay? Pastor Luis, that's what happened, right? He led us to the edge, passed off the baton. No, but that's what it is. And then we continue, right? I'm going to pass off the baton to the next, and then the next, and then the next, until the, Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Amen? So let's continue to praise God for 40 years of faithfulness here at GBC. Let's continue to trust in his growth process. Amen? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. And give you peace. And give you peace. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. And be great. And be gracious unto you. And be gracious. Gracious, gracious. Oh.